Governor Chris Sununu joining us live. Good morning, Hampshire. The Pulse of an H on this Tuesday morning. Governor, good morning. Morning, Jack. How we doing? Well, there's a lot going on. Uh, a lot going on. You're the chief executive. I'm just the show host. Where do you want to start? Uh, what about these polls? Do you, the, is the race tightening this much, or are these polls, there's some dueling polls, and other polls shows it's still a double-digit lead for Trump? Yeah, no, the, the, I think the UNH polls are one of the more accurate polls, so it's consistent in that Nikki has constantly been in the low 30s, and it matches our internal polls. Th- those, that Boston Globe poll, what they're not looking at is who actually votes. Um, I don't think they do a very very good job of the actual you know, understanding that you have all these undeclared that vote and all that, that sort of thing. I think we're going to have a record turnout. By the way, I think the UNH poll is, is very accurate. Um, so we, we know that she's within about seven, eight points, whatever it might be. Uh, we know that Chris Christie is still in this race. Unfortunately, um, there's no chance for Chris Christie to win. If you're a Chris Christie voter, it's a wasted vote. You gotta, you gotta get behind Nikki Haley if you want to beat Donald Trump. And I'm still hopeful that Chris will get out of the race. But right now, um, that's uh, Nikki would be beating Trump by five, four or five points. I mean, would be beating Trump, something the national media never said was possible. New Hampshire has a chance to, to buck that trend, to think uh, in, a, in a more uh, future, down-the-road, positive manner, optimistically. Uh, but it really does mean a consolidation behind one candidate. We always knew and understood that that's what needed to happen. Chris Christie understood that as well. He's kind of uh, moving from his message uh, for, for his own personal uh, benefit at this point. But um, this is an amazing opportunity uh, for New Hampshire to kind of hit that reset button uh, across the whole country, uh, buck the national assumptions, which we always, always uh, tend to do. And um, it's just great. And, and she's earning it. I mean, Nikki's really earning it on the campaign trail. Governor, I'm just going to be totally candid. If anyone is an architect, politically speaking, of New Hampshire's voting block or voters in elections these days, it's you. You've, you've, you've had four successful gubernatorial uh, election victories. You appeal, you've appealed in the past independents, moderates, some moderate Democrats, and Republicans. And my question constantly of these so-called experts we have on, the pundits and the analysts, is this. Are independents going to vote two weeks in New Hampshire's primary? Are they going to take part or are they not? Because in primaries, independents typically don't vote as much as they do in a general election. So that's the big question I have. And that seems to be a, a voting block that you and Nikki Haley and this PAC on her behalf are going after. Are, are independents going to vote? Oh, the undeclared, absolutely. In fact, I mean, in, if you look at 2020, I, I think the number was 43% of the Democrat vote was undeclared. And so you'll see about that same turnout this time around on the Republican side. About 45%, 43 45%, I think, of the vote total will be undeclared. Now, Nikki isn't going after the undeclared voters. She appeals to them because, you know, they, they see her as, you know, this, again, a strong conservative that they can get behind, and they know that she can beat Biden not by a couple points but by 10 points, right? We've, if you go with Trump, it, it could be a nail-biter. It will be a nail-biter if he even has a chance. With Nikki, she wins by 10 points, and that means we win the congressional seat and the Senate seats and the governor's seat, and you bring all the school boards. You bring every, Nick, what Nikki does is she brings all the other seats with her, and that's an amazing opportunity. And you cannot complain about the general election if we don't do right in this primary. So, no, I think it's, gonna, it's not like 10 or 20 percent. I think north of 40 percent of the, wow. the vote total on the Republican side is going to be part of the undeclared. Now, Governor, you were recently in Iowa campaigning for the candidate you've endorsed in this primary, that being Nikki Haley, of course. What are you sensing there? Because... What I've seen, Governor Sununu, in the past, going back to a lot of cycles, is what happens in Iowa stays in Iowa. So, in other words, whatever happens in the caucus process, the winner doesn't. Some candidates have invested their time. They're hoping it translates into a New Hampshire primary victory. Your father, 
uh, Governor uh, John Sununu Sr. knew that firsthand because, you know, he took Vice President Bush, who didn't do well in Iowa, comes in here and wins the primary. So it doesn't always transfer. What did you see? What are you sensing in Iowa? And if you had to say today, does, does Trump grab the headline out of Iowa into New Hampshire or not? So two things. In Iowa, first, the, in terms of Nikki, the crowds are huge. I mean, they're way bigger than, than even her staff was anticipating. So the energy's there. They're all new voters. They're coming in. The town halls we did, they had to turn people away at the door, uh, I think, in, in every single instance, which was, which was actually pretty awesome to see that kind of energy. The only two people that have set expectations in Iowa are Trump and DeSantis. They both said they were going to win Iowa, right? And so obviously there's an expectation that Trump is going to do well there. I think Nikki's going to surprise a lot of folks and do better than than everybody thinks. But um, the only expectations are, are Trump and DeSantis, and they have to meet those expectations. Otherwise, it's a failure. So we'll see what happens there. Again, New Hampshire, the only real expectation was that Trump was going to win. So the fact that Nikki is coming in second is great, but now she's actually challenging him uh, to do what nobody thought was possible, which was to beat Trump in, in one of these early states. Then you have a month between New Hampshire and South Carolina, back in her home state. That's an amazing opportunity to take a win here and, and go down there. So I think, I think she's going to do better than folks think, but the only expectations right now are really out of Trump and DeSantis, and they're panicked. They're, they're nervous. Okay, real quickly, if, and it's an if, Nikki Haley pulls off an upset in New Hampshire's first in the nation presidential primary, even by a point or two, like a, you know, a field goal. If she, she pulls off an upset here, how big of a story is this to Donald Trump in terms of his quest for the nomination? Huge. Huge, because he's taken it for granted. He's, 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 uh, he comes in, he does his rallies, he leaves, he's not doing the retail politics, he's not you know, answering any questions, and they're going to realize that that was a completely failed strategy. So he's, he is going to collapse on the expectations. He's, gonna, he, he's falling apart already uh, as he attacks her, uh, and now he's wide open to be beaten in South Carolina, right? And that's a lot of time for, a, for the former governor of South Carolina in her home state. to She knows exactly what she has to do there, exactly how to win there, um, and now Trump would be really vulnerable. So now you have the guy that was a fait accompli for the Republican nomination, potentially winning the first two primaries. Disaster. I mean, absolute disaster, and the whole narrative across this country would switch. But it has to happen here. Voters have to get out and get behind Nikki Haley to deliver that loss to Trump. Last question at this point. We'll get you on again before the primary. Governor Chris Sununu, I have Good Morning New Hampshire on the pulse of New Hampshire, a network of news talk stations. The Attorney General, this letter to the Democrats here in New Hampshire from two members, ranking members of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, basically saying it's detrimental for Democrat or likely Democrat voters to vote and participate in our own primary in uh, two weeks. It's detrimental to the process. What is going on here? Have you ever heard of that? A party telling their own voters don't go vote. Right. That it was I think the word they used is meaningless. It's meaning you have to tell your your voters that this that this primary is meaningless. I mean, can you believe that the Democrats? I mean, it's they're not even being uh, subtle about trying to suppress the vote. They're being just uh, aggressively blatant. And rightly so. Our attorney general is saying, no, you're not doing that. Uh, It's a cease and desist. And if we have to take additional action, we absolutely will. But what they're doing is is, you know, Baffling. I mean, absolutely baffling in this day and age. Um, the hypocrisy, if you will, out of the Democrat Party now actively suppressing the vote of their own party, right? Actively trying to do it here in New Hampshire because, you know, they've screwed up the process so bad. They're so embarrassed about what Joe Biden had done. Now they're just panicking and, and kind of uh, throwing gasoline on their own fire. So, hey, God bless it. I'm just trying to make sure the Republicans get a great nominee on our side and we start bringing this country back together. Governor Kristen Live. Good morning, New Hampshire. Thanks for the time. Thank you, brother. Be good. We have uh, Senator Whitley joining us. 
And I just want to pull up from a good friend of mine, Lucas Meyer, who's a regular contributor. Um, they're they're setting their uh, their their caucus, their Senate caucus is rolling out their agenda for actually the session, and it's a pretty good time to get on the uh, state senator. And uh, she joins us now as we get going. Senator, thanks so much for being with us. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Well, what 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 are the priorities? You know, there's so much attention right now uh, nationally on all the national stuff, all the noise happening out there. But what's what's the priority here right here at home? Because what happens in the state Senate and the House is really what local voters, you know, that's what they should be paying attention to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there is so much national rhetoric spinning around, particularly with the primary. But I have to say the Senate Democrats are wildly laser focused on solutions to improve people's lives. It's as basic as that. So in 2024, we're going to be championing legislation, and we have brought forth legislation to support children, families, safe communities, build an economy that works for everyone, and, of course, what's very personal to me, safeguard uh, reproductive freedom. Well, let's talk. Uh, you know, another thing we, we don't hear, well, we should hear, what about the cost of housing, affordable housing? Yes. Yes, that's a huge issue. You know, I will say as a younger person, you know, I get to be sort of young in New Hampshire politics through my 40s. But as a younger person, you know, talking to my friends and family and colleagues, housing is a massive uh, issue for a lot of folks. I will say, you know, access to housing and access to child care are the biggest issues that working families have to deal with right now. Um, Senator Perkins Quoka has always led on this issue. She's a colleague of mine from Portsmouth. She has a bill that we are affectionately calling the Homnibus, which is an omnibus bill looking at increasing access to affordable housing. One particular highlight of that is establishing housing opportunity zones. But look, there's no you know silver bullet in the housing issues. It takes um, a, you know many different approaches to it. She is leading a bipartisan uh, housing caucus, so I am hopeful that we will have some real solutions this year. We did have significant investing in, uh, investment in affordable housing and the budget that uh, Rebecca Perkins-Quoke was able to secure. You're listening to Senator um, Becky Whitley. I think you've been serving, what, since 2020? Is that right? Yep. Smack dab in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> State Senator from the Capitol. What about the, you know, we, we Congress in general, Senator, I think you'd agree with me, in, it, nationally, it's just so... It's, I think a lot of people are down on Washington in general. They just don't feel it really works well for them. And there's a lot of special, powerful interests, and so much seems to be almost, in some respects, not literally, maybe not, bought and paid for. But here in New Hampshire, we try and do things more in a civil way, in a civic way. And, 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 and I'm just wondering, kind of what is the working relationship? What, what's the mood? What's the morale in the State House, in the State Senate, for example, under Senate President Jeb Bradley? I mentioned Senator D'Alessandro earlier. Um, do, do you have a good re, do you have a good uh, rapport with your Republican colleagues, or or is it as divisive as we do, we may not see it almost nationally? Is are things that split? Yeah, I think that's a really important question. I certainly can't speak to the House, but I will say there's only 24 of us in the Senate, and to deliver on real solutions, you have to have good working relationships. Look, we sit next to each other in committee and on the floor. For example, Senate, um, Senator uh, Sharon Carson is the chair of judiciary. I sit next to her multiple times a week. I also sit next to her on the Senate floor. We have a great relationship, particularly in trying to support children. You know, we don't agree about everything, but we, when we do disagree, we do it very respectfully and we trust each other um, and know that we will come together to find consensus on issues that we both really care about. So I think we work 
uh, in the Senate, uh, I would say most senators work very hard to maintain relationships because we know it's best for our constituents. Do you, do you, are you interested? Are you, have you made an endorsement? Are you, we just had Governor Sununum on, of course, he's endorsed Nikki Haley on the Republican side. We're two weeks to go before New Hampshire's primary. There's this sort of side controversy going on because you and I know, I think most of my listeners know, the DNC and the president chose not to put New Hampshire first, so they're trying to sort of ignore what happens in New Hampshire. Any reaction to this letter the DNC apparently wrote to Ray Buckley, the executive director? I know the attorney general has sent back a letter to the DNC, basically stick your nose out of New Hampshire. People are going to vote here. Do you have any thoughts on any of this flap? Yeah, I think it's all sideshow. I mean, I think if you talk to the general public, if you talk to real voters, what they really care about is lowering property taxes, reducing costs, getting you know child, their kids into childcare so they can go to work. I mean, the reality is it's just a sideshow. I think you know, what people are really focused on are pocketbook issues, reproductive freedom, and I think that's what we have really tried to focus on. I'm very supportive of our president. I think he has done a good job. You know, he has delivered on some very important issues to me and to others, climate issues, um, you know, elevating early childhood. So I'm supportive of the president. I will certainly be voting for him in the primary. As a write-in type situation? Absolutely. Yep. Super easy. Just write in at the very bottom. All right. Senator Becky with Capital Region Concord since 2020, talk about the Senate caucus, the Democrats, their agenda for the next session, I guess, and going forward. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. My pleasure. William Henkel with Eversource joining us. Good morning, New Hampshire. Uh, this uh, Tuesday morning, the pulse of an H. William, thanks for being with us. You're sending out some alerts to customers. You're doing preps. What do you what do you expect? You work closely on the forecast side of things tonight and tomorrow with these winds and heavy rains and a lot of snow that's already here. Good morning, Jack, and thanks for having me. Before any storm, we're constantly evaluating multiple forecasts and models to prepare. As everyone knows, we saw a significant snowstorm this past weekend, but as far as the electric system was concerned, that one didn't turn out to be that threatening to reliability for customers. It was mostly dry, light, fluffy snow, and the winds didn't quite reach that hazardous level. However, this past weekend's weather is going to contribute to additional challenges with the weather that we're going to see tonight into tomorrow, as well as uh, what's looking like it's in the forecast for Friday night. When we see the strong winds that we're expected to see with this storm, as well as the potential for heavy, wet snow that we could see in some areas of the state, followed by substantial rainfall. All of that poses a threat to the electric system. The ground's going to be heavily saturated. So when those strong winds come through, trees are at greater risk to come down, and limbs are at greater risk to come down and cause damage to the electric system. So we've been gathering our crews and resources, positioning them across the state, We'll have hundreds of line, tree, and service crews pre-positioned at our area work centers across the state to be able to respond as quickly as safely possible to any damage or power outages caused by this storm. Now, I know it's almost like asking one of our friends from VEASAN Sports, the wild card games this weekend, you know, who's going to win? I know it's impossible, but you, you look at this carefully. If you had to guess, you and your colleagues at Eversource, you think we're going to have sort of scattered power outages potentially over the next uh, 12, 24, 36 hours, or do you, are you concerned that they could be bigger? I mean, can you get, do you have a sense of that, or does it really depend on the, how strong the wind gusts actually are, where they happen, how much snow is there, how much rain comes? 
Yeah, it's, this is a complex weather system. It, you know, outages are certainly possible in nearly every community of the state, but it's really going to depend on exactly what those impacts we see are. Up north is where we could see the majority of snow, and at the onset it looks like that'll be normal dry snow again, so hopefully won't cause too many issues. But if that trends to be wetter, heavier snow, that could cause a significant amount of issues where we're seeing that up north, uh, potentially maybe a little bit out west in the western areas of the state too. With those strong winds, the strongest winds we expect to see, as usual, on the seacoast, those eastern areas of the state, but also in those higher elevations in the northern region of the state as well. But the potential for hazardous wind gusts, we could see hazardous winds in nearly every area of the state. And when you're talking about the ground being so heavily saturated as it will be with all the precipitation we've seen and will see regardless of what exact type, those trees are going to be weakened and, and really could come down anywhere. Yeah, especially, you know, you know, because I know this firsthand. We've had some trees taken down where you just had to because you could tell the tree was older and, you know, parts of it were rotting. It takes one gust, right, in a big tree in an area, and all of a sudden you get a neighborhood, you get a grid, you get something. Uh, what's the, uh, again, is this going to be more of a, a morning thing, if you had to say William Hinkle with Eversource, you know, early morning, late night, early morning hours? What, what are you forecasting? Yes, it's going to start tonight and through the morning. One of the encouraging pieces of news in the forecast for this storm is it should be moved through the state relatively quickly. So tonight through the early morning tomorrow should be the highest impact that we see. So we should have a pretty good day tomorrow as far as our crews being able to get out there and do the work necessary to repair any damage. But but I did notice that some of the wind gusts, especially on the coast or different areas, could stick around tomorrow, even as the storm passes through. William Hinkle, again, best way if people want to learn more, again, if they have power, obviously things can charge and last a while if they're going online. If they want to report something, what's the best protocol there? Yes, so today customers should make a plan to be able to report an outage if they do lose power. We offer numerous ways for our customers to do that. You can always do it online at our website, eversource.com. You can call us at 800-662-7764. You can also download our mobile app, which is a great resource, and you can report and check the status of any outage there as well. And we also offer a two-way texting feature that customers can sign up for. So today, make sure that you know how you want to report that outage and select your preferences when you log into our account online, and we'll be ready to respond to that as, as quickly as safely possible. And also want to encourage our customers that if they do experience an outage, please make sure to report that. Don't assume that someone else nearby or in your neighborhood has done so. Every bit of information that we receive from our customers helps support the restoration effort. William Hinkle, Eversource, thanks so much for the time. Good morning, Hampshire. The Pulse of an H will catch you soon, maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Take care. Michael Graham's tracking it all. He's an early explorer. No, he's not. He's tracking it all. New Hampshire Journal, <laughs> nhjournal.com, nhjournal.com. Let's, uh, let's start, well, let's start with Governor Sinatra's interview this morning. Do you think more than 40% of undeclared, you know, sort of non-traditional Republican voters are going to vote in the primary, presidential primary, two weeks from today? Wait, uh, Governor Sinatra was on a radio show this morning, Jack? I had no, no, I'm kidding. Of course, I listened to every word on the Jack Heath show. I wouldn't miss it. Uh, so over at UNH, uh, Professor Andy Smith has 45 percent 
of the voters in the Republican primary as non-Republicans. They're registered undeclared, you know, crossover Democrats, whatever. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's pretty high. Now, he does have 71% of them as self-identified Republicans, because as you know, Jack, a lot of people just don't want to put their name down on either party. That's why the unaffiliated number is so big. But still, if only, you know, if uh, 45% of the primary voters are unaffiliated. If only if Republicans are only seven out of ten in the Republican primary, that's very good news for Nikki Haley. Now, over at Suffolk University, David Paley Logos, another good pollster, uh, has a more traditional model where Republicans, you know, make up uh, I think it's around eighty percent of the uh, of the uh, vote. And so you can see the whole difference right there. If you're a Republican, you love Donald Trump. That hasn't changed throughout the entire. Uh, past 12 months that you and I have been talking, Jack, Republicans just like the guy. They either want him to be president or uh, the nominee or have no problem with him being the nominee. With the uh, Haley voters, they have a real problem with uh, Donald Trump being the nominee. And with Chris Christie, it's really off the table. Uh, the majority of Chris Christie voters say if, if uh, Trump's the nominee, they're just voting Democrat. They'll vote for Joe Biden. So that's uh, the divide. Will uh, Republicans turn out for the Republican primary? And if they do... Uh, the Suffolk University poll has a number much closer to what we've been seeing in the other polls, which is uh, Trump with a 20-point lead, uh, and he's at 46 percent. Uh, having uh, Trump below 40 percent, as the UNH poll does, is an outlier, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. What do you think, Mr. Graham? Seriously. What do you think's gonna, what Republic, are- I think Republicans vote in Republican primaries. I think that's step one. Uh, and uh, I think um, what happens in Iowa will have an impact on how the percentage, whatever it is, 5% or 15%, who are thinking strategically will vote. For example, if uh, Nikki Haley does surprisingly well, don't be surprised if some Chris Christie voters say, wow, she's really got the momentum. Because as you point out, Jack, up until now, it's all polling. It's not voting. So we're going to have the first vote next, this coming Monday, and that will have an impact. And then I also think that if Trump does, uh, you know, really well, if he's, if he's above 50%, for a lot of casual voters, Jack, the kind who just kind of show up because it's Election Day and they're, you know, regular Republican voters, I, that's going to be a sign that, wow, this, you know, he really is the guy, bandwagon effect. Uh, what does that do to Ron DeSantis? And there's a case we made, Jack, that as long as Ron DeSantis is in the race, Nikki Haley has a chance to build a coalition that can compete with Trump. But as soon as DeSantis gets out, it's all over because the DeSantis vote overwhelmingly goes to Trump, and that's that. What about Iowa? It's so hard to tell. So hard to tell. Governor Sununu was on saying the crowds for Nikki Haley were mm-hmm. bigger than he thought, bigger than the campaign. But he said two people said they're going to win Iowa caucus process. Obviously, only one will. Mm-hmm. Trump and DeSantis. What about Iowa? Big surprise coming or not? Well, so a couple, first of all, let's, let's just point out right now that the big winner in the first nation primary has already been declared, and it's Chris Sununu. Because, the, you know, while it's true that Haley had some momentum already, you know, happening, you know, the key to life is timing, and Chris Sununu jumped in as the wave was cresting, and he's widely agreed to have added to that wave. So, his performance on your show today was classic Chris Sununu performance. He's a very good politician. And regardless of what, assuming Nikki Haley doesn't just collapse, like just that's some bizarre, you know, she comes in, you know, in fourth place, whatever, he's going to get a lot of credit for her success 
and her performance, whether she wins or not. So he's already the winner. As for Iowa, there's a lot of talk about, well, Iowa, you know, you got to go stand in line. You got to go stand in corners. You got to, you know, the, the, you have to have a minimum support for your kid. No, 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 no. That's how the Democrats do their caucus, which they're not doing this year. They're going to do this weird write-in presidential thing over the next uh, couple of months. Um, for the Republicans, you just show up and vote. You just have to all show up at the same time. And the word on the street is that while DeSantis is running a really good campaign, uh, Donald Trump has something he's never had before, which is an actual on-the-ground organization using data to turn out low-information voters who are Trump supporters to do something they have never done before, which is participate in the caucus. I saw a story the other day, Jack, where they were mocking Trump supporters for saying, when is the caucus? I don't know where it is. That's not good news for the rest of the field. It's bad news because if those voters are well, willing to show up what, and they just need to be told when or where, and he gets a bunch of – do you remember how Obama surprised everyone in 2012 by beating yeah. Romney with these voters that rarely voted? If Trump can pull off the same thing, uh, it could be a big win, and I think a big win for Trump has a significant impact in New Hampshire. See, I don't, but that's me. Um, the last point. So you, not, so not, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Not everything else. You think the voters are going to stick with Trump? No, even no. Trump comes in at like I think 53, 54 percent. Apples and oranges. What I'm saying is I, I don't think there's any transference at all. I just haven't seen it over the years. I'm not going off anything else. I've not seen anything that happens in Iowa okay. that impacts New Hampshire. I think it's a different ball game myself. I may be wrong. But I want to turn it on you a little bit because you're from sure. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. If Nikki Haley basically makes it a photo finish here. Let's just say for fun, she actually edges Trump by one or two points. Right. That's an upset. That's a big upset given the Huge. leads he's had. And then it goes. Now, what Donald Trump's turning the heat on, obviously, Nikki Haley's been coming on. So you've seen the attack ads going back at Nikki Haley. So everything from China to gas tax. I mean, I could keep going. The border. Um, so say Trump doesn't do what he wants in New Hampshire, does what he wants in Iowa, doesn't do what he wants in New Hampshire. Then it goes on. A month later, South Carolina, you know that state. Does Nikki Haley have an upper hand there or not? And what will Trump say about New Hampshire's primary? I mean, he obviously won't be happy. He'll trash it if he doesn't win, I'm saying. What does he say? What happens in South (laughs) Carolina? Yeah, that is one thing that's true. Get ready for your—if you think the DNC is mistreating Democrats, wait to see what Trump does to Republicans in New Hampshire if he loses the state. But— there is very little chance of Nikki Haley winning my home state of South Carolina. Uh, politics in America has devolved enti- entirely into identity politics. Nobody cares what your position is on the border or taxes or anything. It's all about identity. And South Carolina Republicans identify as Trump Republicans. They, it is a MAGA state. There are other states where Nikki Haley could probably do very well. Michigan you know, jumps to mind. But uh, South Carolina is not one of them. And the other bad news for uh, Nikki Haley is it's a month until the primary. What she needs is for New Hampshire, South Carolina to be you know, a week or 10 days later. So she's got red hot, big mo. Everyone's jumping on board. Trump has a limited window to respond, limited window to organize. But because the Democrats in South Carolina are having their fake primary on January, February 3rd, Secretary Scanlon was forced to have our primary on the 23rd instead of a more ideal date for the state which would have been a week later, maybe even two weeks later, and that gives Trump a big window to respond. All right, Michael Graham, we'll see. Two weeks to go from today. Two weeks. Thank you, Michael. It's very exciting, Jack. Very exciting. And, and don't remember, and Michael, don't forget, don't forget, please, 
it's detrimental for Democrats to vote in our primary. I got to tell you, I love that line from Representative Andy Custer, who said yesterday that, uh, you know, we've got to uh, we, we've got to do something about the people demoting our primary. Lady, it's Joe Biden who's demoting your primary and you're doing a writing campaign for it. This is a classic. Thank you, sir. Me, I have another move. I have never seen a group of people just self-humiliate like Ray Buckley and the Democrats. They might as well be wearing uh, you know, a, a leash and a collar and being led around by the DNC. It is humiliating. Well, no, I just I think it's funny when you talk about democracy and action and voting and elections, and then you then you want to suppress. You don't want your you don't you don't want your own party to vote in our first in the nation presidential primary, which apparently means squat to some of these Democrats from New Hampshire who have legacy here, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ann Custer's family or mom. I mean, you yeah. would think you'd be pretty proud about New Hampshire's voting participation, uh, taking well, part in our primary, supporting our primary, but I guess not. Well, as uh, Ray Buckley said, if the Democrats and the delegation did something about the DNC taking our primary, quote, I would be astonished. 